singer to singer. Sophie Bancroft in conversation with jazz vocalist Fiona Duncan. Episode 5, London Gigs. Who do you think is coming to town? You'll never guess who. Lovable, huggable, Emily Brown. Ooh, Miss Brown to you. What if the skies come tumbling down? My heaven is blue. Tennessee sending me Emily Brown. Ooh, Miss Brown to you. Hey, baby. So did all of the stompers decide to relocate to London? We didn't actually move down to London properly until after we'd split from the Stompers. Right. We just we just lived in Digstown there. So you when know. you say we, who do you mean? I mean, Forty and John and I, that was our band. You see, we joined, when the Stompers split, we had a, a, we had a big split in the band, just in 1957. And that's when, 1959, that's when Forty joined, and he joined in the March. Uh, the Stompers had split up. I can't remember why, but the, half the band had left, and Ian asked came out one Sunday night to Paisley where we were doing a gig at the uh, jazz club there, the Forties band, and asked Malky and John and Forty to join the Stompers, and uh, didn't ask me because he'd got he'd auditioned somebody else. Jeannie Lamb, who just died, and uh, they joined the Stompers the next week. But there was a court case about the name. Right. And, of course, when we joined, it was, it was half of our band and half of the original Stompers. The guys were great, you know, the drummer, banjo player and bass player were all the originals. And Ian, of course. But then it was John Malky and Forey joined from our band. Mm. So, and then six months later, I joined. Right. But they still all lived in Scotland, you know. And then Malky emigrated to Canada when when we split up with the Stompers. And uh, Willie Bain came back home, the bass player. And Forty and I came, we went, we went back down to London. So with, you, you decided to stay down there? With his band. We right. formed his band right away. And, and what was the lineup in that band? It was um, Alec Dugleish, Jack Murray, who's just died, mm. uh, Forty, John, um, Tucker Finlayson and bass, Bobby Shannon drums and Norian banjo. It was a good band. They, they were a good band. It was very a musical band and... Good musicians, you know. And that was still that, that was still very much in the Dixie. Yeah, it was very genre. much. Yeah, it was it was Dixieland, yeah. and uh, we actually got into the hit parade with um, a re-release of Salty Dog. We went into number twenty nine, I get one, mm. and then they stopped pressing the records because Fontana, who we were with, was a tax dodge for Phillips at the time and they couldn't afford to have a hit record oh. so they just stopped pressing 
and Pi re-released the Stompers one, which just, you know, it sold, so it just... Uh, that was that was 1962. 1962. How old were you then? 23, 24. So you've done a lot by this point, haven't you? you Just wait and you'll see. How long before other things started happening down in London for you? Went into the Georgian, I think, in the end of 64. That was the... Yeah, because I was doing broadcasts and I was doing Malcolm Price stuff, the country stuff, and I was doing jazz broadcasts and uh, I was doing things with the lunchtime, you know, the network band that was on on BBC, uh, Bob Miller's band. I used to go in and do, they'd get me in as a guest. But there was one, two minutes, and then it was Weeks Cabaret, which I hated, you know. Cabaret thing was terrible. And the bands were awful and couldn't swing. And places like... Uh, Oh, the top of the M1, the first place you come to, which is near Northampton. Northampton, Bedford, Bedford, it was Bedford. <laughs> I did this club in Bedford, this Starlight Club in Bedford. And it was, you know, it was a late night club. It was, you know, they, I think there was gambling there as well. Oh, it was, we used to go up on a Sunday afternoon and get into your digs, whatever it was, and then go and have your band call and trying to get them to understand what you were trying to do <laughs> was terrible. Yeah. And then, so you start the first night and it was, oh, right, okay. And I mean, there was usually, it was there was a special act on, a comedian, and the, whoever the featured singer was, and quite often the special acts were strippers and they were awful nice lassies, but they were, you know, and I used to think, I can't believe this, <laughs> you know. I used to say, how can you do that? I said, I feel as if when I'm out there, I'm taking my clothes off mm. when I'm singing, you know. Well, would they be on before you or after you? It's not, not usually before, you know, well. follow that, you know. <laughs> Did you have charts you would take around yeah. for that kind of... And what, <laughs> what kind of songs would you do for that? Oh, cabaret? I mean, I did... I got... You know Andy Parks? Do you remember Andy Parks? From Glasgow, who no. wrote a lot of chart, uh, charts right. for things. And uh, he wrote me charts for the Bob Miller Band. You know, it was, uh, it was a 23-piece orchestra. Right. And wrote charts for, you know, to break it down into trios or quartets okay. or quintets and I did things like um, they were actually jazz things but you know more the middle of the road you know yeah. um, I did uh, still do, did things like I Used to Love You you know which was a kind of you know it wasn't really a jazz number but you know I used it as yeah. well and all of me, you know, the standards. But the bands were terrible. 
And by the last night, you know, by the time you got to the Saturday night, it was great. But then you had to leave next yeah. day, yeah. or they had a different group in if you were there two weeks running. And I mean, the money was good, but oh, God, all day you had to kill on your own. Yeah. How many songs would you do in a set for that? I do maybe eight numbers. Right. You know, because uh, they were all a wee chat in between. And, yeah. You know. But, uh, you know, the money was good, but it was, oh, it was a very lonely life, yeah. you know. I used to think of that from that film, The Loneliness of a Long Distance Runner. Yeah. So that's what it's like. You yeah. spend all your time. I do that a lot, though. All your time on your own. Mm. And then suddenly there's, everything's happening yeah, and, and then it goes away. Audience and, yeah. <laughs> Coming down to London and uh, going in to see my agent, and, and he was an awful nice man. He was a really, I can't remember his name, and not awful, but I was only with him for about two years. And uh, he had Mrs. Mills, you know, the lady piano player. Yeah. And uh, the Rolling Stones at one point, you know, he, before I drooled him, took them over. Anyway, um, he said, look, there's this club in the West End, and because it's the West End, it doesn't pay a lot of money, you know. Um, he said, but it would mean that you're home in London, you wouldn't have, you know, and you'd have all the day to yourself, and he says, it's 8 till 12, the club runs, but you'd only be on for, you know, you'd do a 35-minute, 30-minute spot, and so on and so forth. So I said, how much? And he said, well, they're paying £45 for the week. And I said, oh, that's, you know, you were getting 100 nod going out yeah. of town. So I said, well, I'll, I'll try it for a week. So I went in and uh, really weird. It was, you know, in uh, Bury Street in St. James, you know, there's... Piccadilly, which runs along to Marble Arch, right? The low, the Piccadilly itself, you know. Then there's uh, Bond Street. It's parallel to Piccadilly. And from Piccadilly down to uh, St. James, where, you know, you go along to the palace, there's Berry Street joins these three. It's just a wee street. Mm. And this was in a flat... Uh, an actual very old flat with a lift that went up. The club was in the first floor flat and there was a flat above it, or two flats above it. Billy Cotton had one of the flats, the band leader, and uh, Sam Joseph, the rare book dealer in Charing Cross Road, uh, Joseph's Bookshop, which has been there since... God was a boy. Um, he was on the top flat, and uh, you know it was all carpeted and a rickety old lift, but it was all very well maintained. And the first floor, you got just up the first flight of stairs. There was a big door, in, and this was the the club, the Georgian 
Pussy Club, I must add. <laughs> and uh, Is that his name? Yep, it's his name, <laughs> wow. George, and Pussy Club. It was after the, you know, the Playboy Club, right, where they had um, bunnies, the bunny club, you know. Right. This was the Pussy Club. Okay. And uh, it had red carpet and the striped wallpaper and a big striped seat along one side and a ladies toilet and a gents toilet and the office and then you go to the mirrors all round the kitchen was on the left and you turn to the right which must have been I'd never I was never in any of the flats before you know to see what the layout was mm. in them but this had obviously been the lounge and the dining room and maybe a bedroom, a huge long room. Anyway, the bar was in, the, you went round and there was a postage stamp dance floor. It was postage stamp size. Mm. It was eight feet by six feet and it had colored glass squares that were lit from beneath. Mm. Uh, seats round, you know, bench seats, striped the, you know, golden yeah. maroon stripe, table for four. No, table for four, table for four, table for four, table for two, mirrors all round. And the stage was there, just a small stage. And uh, right next to the one of the tables for four, there was a seat, which was a high stool, which was my seat that I sat on next to the piano. So the piano was here and the four-seater place for the guests, mm. the punters, mm. <laughs> to sit. And behind was the restaurant, you know. So uh, we went in and the first night, I, it was just, it was an easy, it, it was Ian Armit and piano. And he was a jazzer and it was Coleridge Good on bass who uh, was great jazz player and he was from Jamaica and uh, Wally Thompson on drums who was the Billy Cotton uh, drummer. Yeah. So uh, we did the rehearsal and everything went fine and it was good, it was, it was good. So the actual singing thing was easy, but this wee man that ran it, he was four foot ten, four foot eleven, and his name was, he called himself either Selim Katan or Slim Katan, depending on which side he was supporting that week, you know, because he was from, uh, we didn't know whether he was Egyptian or Israeli, right. and he used to change his mind quite regularly. Right, okay. <laughs> and he was dressed like, oh, absolutely immaculately dressed, uh, with tiny, he was four foot ten and tiny wee feet, yeah. shoes made at Simpsons in Piccadilly, you know, beautiful shoes, beautiful, beautifully dressed, gold toothpick, everything gold, and, yeah. you know. Tooth and wee moustache, and fancied himself as a dancer and a drummer. <laughs> and so he used to have to write himself into the show where he would do a wee drum bit and then get up and do a wee funny oh. dance on the floor, and it was hysterical. 
but he loved it. Mm. So everybody used to, yeah, cheer, and, yeah. oh, yeah, gosh. So he just loved it, you know. So the first week, the second night, my agent phoned me, Eric Easton, his name was, phoned me the next day, and he said, Fiona, I've had Mr. Uh, Katan on the phone. Uh, he wants to book you. He wants you to come as a resident singer. I said, no, I'm not coming to work for that in London. No, I'm not. Do no. And he said, right. And he phoned me back and he said, right, he's put it up to £75 a week. And I said, no. Well, I got up to £200 by the end of the week. Well done. And he just kept phoning him back and saying, right, I'll put it up another. So when it got to £200, I thought, I've got to do this. This is, (laughs) you know, this is, guys were making, you know, I mean, Acker's band was still on. £75 a week or yeah. something like that. And I'm thinking, oh, no, I'm going to do this. So that was it. And I was in there for seven years. Wow. And, uh, but I ended up being General Dog's body. I used to do the lights for the show. I used to, you know, yes, <laughs> <laughs> cold rehearsals for the, the, you know. It was four dancers from the, or showgirls from the talk of the town. They were beautiful, you yeah. know, and it was all very high class, yeah. except it was a poorhouse, yeah. you know, and he didn't hide it. You know, he was very, he used to say, you know, into the, in, a punter went through, maybe two of the girls through to the restaurant, Slim would say on the microphone, and into the valley of death <laughs> rode the punter. <laughs> and was it, were the audience only men? <clears throat> yeah. Only men. Wow. Sometimes if a woman came in, it was not, I think only my mother came in. But, you know, <laughs> I had to say to her and her mum, don't look at the girls, please. Don't look at them. And she said, Fiona, I have seen more on this earth than you will ever see. <laughs> I wouldn't dream. And the girls were lovely to her, you know. Mm. And, and she was very charming and just, you know. But no. how did it make you feel as a woman being in that, I hated that it. scenario? Oh, I hated it. I hated it. I, I used to go, I mean, they didn't talk to me. None of the girls talked to me for a year, mm. nearly. I mean, the dressing room, the ladies' toilet was their room. Right. They took, I mean, there was minx up the yin-yang hanging. I mean, they were, they were getting, uh, these girls were getting 250 a pot, mm. you know, and... All they got from the club was commission on the champagne they drank. And they drank Moy or Charles Heidsieck or Dom Perignon. Dom Perignon was 150 a bottle. Yeah. I have seen 23 bottles of Dom Perignon being consumed or poured on the floor. Wow from the table next to me. Wow. I mean, the cockroaches could have carried that <laughs> flat away at night. And I mean, we know that because we had a fire and all the cockroaches came out oh. in the fire. Oh. But I'll tell you, I mean, these are these goblets, these gold goblets, and our arm would come over the back of the seat and I'm sitting here, right? And she would be talking to the guy, and there's mirrors all around, but she had to hold it, and, and then she'd just tip it, and I'd right, hear it going. Okay. 
So Ian and I ended up getting paint mugs. And, I, and every time I saw her, she was going to pour it, I'd get that. <laughs> Would you do other gigs too, earlier on in the evening? I used to know. I used to know. Then I had to work from when I joined. It was, you know, I was there from half past seven till 12. Okay. Half past seven, I started with the trio. We did quiet, nice jazz, quiet. Then at eight, eight o'clock, the front line came on and we did Quiet Dixieland, right? Quiet Dixieland for an hour. Then we went down to the pub because we couldn't afford to drink in the club. And we'd come rushing back up. We'd only 15 minutes. We still rushed into the pub, which is at the end of the road, throw back some drink and rush back up again. And, and, and we kept passing this man every night. And he'd go, which one's the drummer? And the front person would go, he is. And the next, he is, he is, he is. And then the last person would say, she is. And he'd look at me and he'd say, <laughs> and I said, no, I'm not the drummer. I'm actually, well, you're just as bad. He said, I live upstairs and I can hear you. And mm. I said, oh, look, I'm terribly sorry. I really, I would hate to think I was, I said, you know, if you can't beat us, we finish at 12. Why don't you join us? And he just, you know, big tall man. Anyway, the next night in he comes and he came every night after that, oh. Sam Joseph. And he sat and he, he was married to Benny Barnes, the film actress, and went out to Hollywood and became a sheriff and knew Sophie Tucker and all these fucking stories are coming mm. out. Every night, Sam used to skate me at the interval. I stopped going to the pub and he'd say, and Ian and I, and he'd buy his drink and he'd tell us all these stories and mm. ask for songs and he knew Ethel Merman and he knew, <laughs> you know, uh, Sophie Tucker. He said, mm. oh, you know, all this. So we were getting all this and he was a lovely man. Don't you all get too familiar? Why do you think she's coming to town? episode featured the song Miss Brown to You from Fiona Duncan's CD, The Savar Sessions. You can hear more tracks by Fiona Duncan at www.soundcloud.com forward slash Fiona Duncan. Singer to Singer is a Sophie Bancroft production. Visit www.sophiebancroft.co.uk for more information. Thank you.